0: Hey, South Valley, you guys came prepared to worship today. I like that. Very awesome, very awesome. My name is Ricky Hemi. Great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, this was my first full week in the Central Valley. It was an awesome week. I gotta say, my kids are loving their school. My neighbors are great, so uh, it's, it's been a good week. So thanks for praying for us again. I'm gonna keep saying thank you because your hospitality has really just helped us push forward. So uh, before we jump in the message, though, I want to take a moment right now to give you guys a quick update on next-gen ministry. So you guys heard we hired two guys. We hired Jonathan Mondragon. He's going to be our next-gen pastor. We also hired a guy named Rigo. He's going to assist Jonathan Mondragon. They're going to build a next-generation ministry. So they're going to be thinking about seventh grade, a little bit of sixth grade. Ron right now is taking care of sixth graders, but if if sixth graders want to jump into youth, they're welcome. Ron's going to help with that as well, but they're going to be thinking about sixth grade through high school, and then they're also going to create something special for young adults. Um, Right now, though, the first priority is to get our youth group up and running. And so these guys have been praying, these guys have been meeting with folks, uh, talking to students behind the scenes, coming up with a game plan. They're going to relaunch the youth ministry in three phases. So I want you to hear about it really quickly. The first is they're going to do a home group at Jonathan Mondragon's house. So you'll see it there. They've they've renamed the youth group. It's called South Valley Youth. If you want information on the youth group and you want to stay in tune with what we're doing there, Follow us on Instagram, the Valley Youth. Uh, You'll check it out there. Parents, I would encourage you to follow that as well so you can see updates. Valley Youth on Instagram. First thing we're going to do, meet in a house. Jonathan Mondragon, he's going to open up his home. He's talking to students. He's building a leadership team. He wants to get to know people on a deeper level. So the first thing he's going to do is have ministry in his house. And the first meeting is September 15th. The next thing that they're gonna do is they're gonna do something called Fifth Quarter. You guys remember Fifth Quarter? So they're gonna partner with Lemoore High School after a football game. And they're going to invite all the students to come over to our campus. We're going to deck the campus out. Have it ready for students. And, and just have a good time. Create exposure again to the ministry. Let the students know we love them. We care about them. They're welcome here. So they're working with Ron. Ron, Ron used to do that back in the day. It's going to be an awesome event. It's going to be a fun event. Okay, So this one is just, this is just a fun event to get kids on the campus. Start building that relationship. So that's phase two. Phase three is the actual launch of the ministry. So what's going to happen is Wednesday nights, the youth will be meeting in the chapel. And in the meantime, in preparation for the youth finally getting back into the chapel... It's going to be a midweek ministry instead of a Sunday night ministry, so that's a difference. But one thing we want to do in preparation for that day is we want to actually kind of work on some of the things in the chapel that, that need a little bit of work. So we have some technology needs in there that we need to update. We might do a couple things aesthetically to the chapel. That way when they come on Wednesday night for their first one, that'll be October 20th, the very first uh, youth night in the chapel. We want them to see, hey, you're a priority. We're making the space available to you. By the way, if you're doing ministry in the chapel, the chapel will still be a multi-purpose room, okay? So CR will still go in there. There's a Bible study. Yeah, let's give it up for CR. We love CR. They're awesome. There's a Bible study on Wednesdays in there, other groups, I think Frank's Bible studies in there. So so the other ministries are still gonna use that place, but youth ministry they really wanna kinda update some things in there that that just need to be updated. So those are the phases of next gen ministry. Are you guys excited? I know I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. I can't wait to to meet the students over there. We're also going to target the junior highs, and so we'll figure out ways to get get plugged in with the junior highs. But these guys, behind the scenes, they're meeting with folks, talking to other churches, meeting with local youth pastors, doing what they can so that when we launch, we are up and ready to go. So that's an update for you guys. I hope you're excited. I know I am. Okay. Today is part four of our sermon series, What Would Jesus Pray? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up again to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to spend a couple more weeks in this section. This section, by the way, is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving the most famous sermon he's ever given. Okay, It's the the greatest sermon ever given by the, the greatest person who ever walked on the face of planet Earth, Jesus Christ. And so in that sermon, he gives a lot of information on how to pray. And so we've talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about how not to pray. Today, we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about something that's really challenging. We're going to talk about something called fasting. Fasting. Okay, so so far, we talked about rebellious prayers. We also talked about pure prayers. If you were with us last week, we talked about the difference between phony prayers that draw attention to self... Versus pure prayers that draw attention to God. And and phony prayers, they're thoughtless and robotic. While pure prayers are genuine and childlike. Hope that was helpful for you this week in your own prayer life. And the big idea last week is that when we engage in religious activities. Like prayer and worship and giving and serving. Whatever we're doing. Preaching. This is a great lesson for me. When I'm engaging in preaching. When we're engaging in religious activities. What's happening on the outside must match what is really going on on the inside. The question Jesus is trying to help us wrestle through is our motives. What is our motivation for doing these things? Is our motivation to be seen by others? Is our motivation to get a clap from others? Or is our motivation to draw attention to God? Now, there's nothing wrong with clapping. I love, by the way, I love amens. I love when people say, it gets me pumped up. I love when we clap in in worship, when we raise our hands. I love all of that. That's all good, pleasing to God. Here's the question, though. When we're doing all those things, is it for God or is it for us? That's what Jesus wants us to wrestle through. According to Jesus, some prayers are a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Other prayers stink okay, literally stink. I talked about the the throne room of God and the incense around his throne and the incense represent the prayers of the saints, your prayers, my prayers. And when we bring up pure prayers to God, it's a beautiful aroma to God. When we bring up phony prayers, it doesn't smell very good. And the big idea was that there's a big difference between saying much in prayer and actually praying much in prayer today though we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about something kind of challenging and and I'm only a few weeks into preaching and, and for some reason the Lord has led us to this topic okay this is not an easy topic today we're going to talk about fasting my the title of today's sermon is hungry prayers we talked about rebellious prayers we talked about pure prayers now we're going to talk about hungry prayers now now some of you might be new with us today and, and maybe you're coming to church today. it's been a long time since you've been to church. you finally come to church today, you're excited to worship, and you're like, "Really? We're going to talk about fasting? Like, how, how, what, is, what does that have to do with my life? Well, I want you to know today that this topic might actually be the most in topic you hear, most important topic you hear about this year. Because what we'll see in Scripture is that some of the greatest breakthroughs in people's lives. Some of the greatest breakthroughs, individually and corporately, came about through prayer and fasting. You see, what we we don't need as a culture, what we don't need more of, is we don't need more self-help. We don't need more advice. We don't need more Instagram or social media rants. We don't need more seminars. What we actually need, what our culture needs, if, what you need today, if you're hungry for something else in your life, if you're hungry for more in your life, what you actually need today is not more advice. What you really need is more of God. You need more of God. And here's what fasting is. Fasting is saying, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to replace my hunger for food with a hunger for you. And every time I'm hungry for food or I'm hungry for something else that I'm that I'm gonna deny for a season, for a day, whatever it is, anytime I feel that hunger, I'm gonna replace that hunger for that thing with a hunger for you. Because what I'm realizing right now is that I don't need more of more advice. I need more of God in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to do amazing miraculous. We just saying that God is a way maker, folks. He is a way maker. Whatever you're battling, whatever you're struggling with, whatever victories you need to see, it's not going to come through self-help. It's going to come through the God of heaven. And so what we need is not more advice. What we need is actually more of God. And so when we decide to fast, to replace our hunger for food or some other earthly pleasure with a hunger for God, we can't help but leave that experience changed, Sometimes that change is a change in our actual circumstances. God breaks through and does something that we could have never done on our own. Other times that change is a change in our perspective, our attitude, our, the way we see things. And, and, and other times that change is just, is just a, it's, we just feel close to God again. We were distant, we were far, we felt disconnected, and now we feel reconnected again. So today's topic is hungry prayers. I'm going to pray and we'll jump into it. Will you pray with me? God, we're hungry for you. And I know people around the globe are hungry for you. I think about those suffering in Afghanistan for the church underground who, who with, through much prayer and fasting, has prayed against persecution. I pray your protection there. I know that people are suffering from Hurricane Ida. Lives have been lost. Property has been lost. People are hungry for more of you. They need you to break through. I pray that you would support and encourage those families. 9-11 is around the corner. One of the hardest days in our history. We need your help. We need your hope. We need your encouragement. People lost loved ones through terrorist attack in Afghanistan. Those families need your hope, need your help. We, feel, we face daily battles at our schools. We face daily battles in our families. We need your hope and, our, and your help. God, I pray that we would be passionate about you. And one of the ways that you restore that passion in us is, is igniting our prayer lives. And one of the ways you reignite our prayer lives is encouraging us through fasting. So I pray, God, that you challenge us. I know that this is a hard topic. I still have to wrestle through it in my own life. Help us to be attentive to you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. So on Thursday morning, I was scrolling through Instagram. Uh, My kids were getting ready for school. And I came across this cool uh, graphic on Instagram. We're going to throw it up on the screen. It's about intermittent fasting. Have you guys heard of this? Intermittent fasting. So... Intermittent fasting is actually on the rage right now. This Instagram account that I saw this at, they have over 20,000 followers. And every post that they post is all about fasting. And so according to researchers and scientists, what we're discovering is that there are many physical benefits associated with fasting. And you'll see some of them on the screen there. Some of those benefits include reduced inflammation in the body clearer thinking as your body uh, is stimulated, your mind, your brain is stimulated to produce new brain cells, uh, fat loss, cancer prevention, muscle growth, slower aging, okay, fasting is anti- actually an anti-aging thing that you can do. The, the body does amazing things when you fast. And this topic has really taken off, uh, has really been on the rage since 2016, because in 2016, a man by the name of Yoshinora Asumi was awarded the Nobel Prize for discovering something called autophagy. Autophagy. Now, that word autophagy is the Greek term meaning to eat oneself. When you fast, your body actually begins to eat itself. But it doesn't actually just eat all your muscle away, all the good parts of you it actually starts by eating the bad things in your body. The toxins, the, the dysfunctional cells, the, the things that are broken in your body. The first thing that it eats, the first thing that goes are those things. And, and when your body kicks into this thing called autophagy, it begins to get rid of the waste in your body, get rid of all the old broken down cells, and then it stimulates new growth, new cells in your body, healthy cell growth. And this, this because of this discovery He actually got a Nobel Prize in 2016, okay? He discovered this, the the benefits of fasting, got a Nobel Prize, and and, and since then, this topic has been on the rage. If you're into CrossFit, anybody into CrossFit in here? If you're into CrossFit, or you're into exercise, or you're, you're part of any kind of exercise circles, you probably talked about intermittent fasting, and here's the idea. The idea is that a couple times a week, you avoid eating food for about 14 to 16 hours in a day. So about 14 to 16 hours you don't eat, and then you break the fast in the mor- at some point in the day. And, and as you're, you're going through that time of fasting, your body is getting rid of the, the bad and replacing it with good. And, and just so you guys know, this is another side note, something I just learned. The word breakfast actually means break fast. Because here's the thing, we all fast every night. Some of us fast for eight hours. Some of us fast for five hours. It depends on what you got in the fridge, right? Like, if you went and got some good food that week and you know what's in the fridge, you may get up in the middle of the night and kind of dive into that thing. Maybe, maybe. But we all fast a little bit here and there. And our first meal of the day is called breakfast because it's when we break the fast. Why am I sharing this with you guys? I'm sharing this with you because, yeah, (laughs) in and out. Anybody want in and out? I always want in and out, right? As we talk about fasting today, this is why I'm sharing this with you. As we talk about fasting today, I want you to see this is something you could totally do. It's actually something you kind of already do when you're sleeping. It's something that the, the, uh, the uh, what do we call it? Exercise industry? I don't know what we call it. Health industry? They're already doing. Okay, fasting is something, it has physical benefits, it has spiritual benefits. There are millions of people around the globe who participate in the the discipline of fasting for spiritual and health benefits. I want you guys to know, as we talk about it today, this is something you could totally do. Millions of people are already doing it. So what does Jesus have to say about fasting? Well, Matthew 6, 1, and then we'll go down to verse 16. This is what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Down to 16. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They love to disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will Reward you. Now, this passage poses three important questions about fasting. We're going to answer each one. The first question is, what is fasting? The second question is, when should we fast? The third question is, how should we fast? So, let's look at question number one. What is fasting? Here's my definition of fasting as I wrestled through the topic this week. Fasting is the spiritual discipline of temporarily depriving the body for the purpose of focused and vigilant prayer. It's the spiritual discipline of temporarily depriving the body for the purpose of focused and vigilant prayer. Now, you might notice that in my definition, I didn't mention anything about food. Although we see fast food fasting being the, the main form of fasting in Scripture, there are other ways that you can fast. Okay, food fasting is a tried and true method, is what Jesus did, what Moses did, many others did. But there are other ways that you can fast. So if you're feeling disconnected, you're feeling like you need a breakthrough from God, there are lots of different things that you could fast from. The idea is this you are giving up some kind of earthly pr- pleasure and you're replacing it with prayer and vigilance and focus on God. So, so for some people, they'll give up social media, some people will give up television, Netflix sugar soda whatever it might be there are lots of different ways you can fast but the big idea is that you're realizing hey I need more of God in my life and so I'm going to pause from this for a little bit and every time I have that craving to surf the web to look at Instagram to eat in and out whatever it might that's going to be a hard fast all right but you can do it I believe in you every time you get that craving you pause and you pray Give you a quick example of this. Last week, a friend of mine asked her husband to hide her iPad so she wouldn't find it for a week. Okay, anybody anybody need their spouse to hide their iPad for them right now? Like this is what she was realizing. With all the craziness in the world, all the bad news, every time you turn on the TV, do you feel good after you leave the TV? Probably not. And if you're surfing through social media, you probably don't leave leave feeling good from that either. And so she was just realizing, like, hey, I'm getting all this toxic energy all the time, all these downers. And I'm spending the best parts of my night watching movies and things like that on on, on my iPad. Husband, please just hide my iPad for a little bit so that I can use my time better. And as, as soon as he hit her iPad, she started to engage in prayer and scripture reading and listening to podcasts. And she had amazing breakthroughs with God. She started sharing those with her friends. So although fasting is something that may not be popular today in the American church, I want you to know it is extremely popular in the Bible. Some people might be wondering, why on your like, fifth sermon with us are you going to talk about fasting? Like, Let's talk about dating. Let's talk about marriage. But what I want you to see here, you want victories in dating? It starts here. You want victories in your marriage? It starts here. You want victories with your kids? It starts here. You want victories at work? It starts here. You see, in the Bible, God's people, they would declare a fast at every critical moment in their history. Every time something important was going on or was about to go down, they would say, Oh, pause. We need to hear from God. We need God to break through. Moses fasted on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, before receiving the Ten Commandments. Daniel fasted in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar when he experienced the, the lion den and all these other things that he experienced. God's protection. He fasted. Queen Esther and the Jews fasted before she went before the king and she through that fasting the Jews were, were saved from being exterminated. Nehemiah fasted before rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. Ezra fasted before leading the people back to, back to Jerusalem. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. For 40 days, he went toe-to-toe with Satan. And he did what none of us can do. He defeated Satan. Every temptation, every battle, he won. And he did it through prayer and fasting. And the disciples fasted before selecting new church leaders. If you read your Bible cover to cover, you're going to see story after story, David, others, fasting, fasting, fasting. And if you think that fasting isn't relevant for today, then remember that the last great awakening that happened in Britain and America, guess what, guess what it was a result of? A time of fasting. And, and the, the awakening that's happening in churches in, in Korea in China, and China and the amazing growth that's happening in those countries and the underground church, guess what's carrying it along? Prayer and fasting. Fasting is saying, God, today I replace my hunger for food with a hunger for you. Every time I'm hungry, I'm going to pause, I'm going to pray. Because what Jesus says when he was fasting is this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did you know today, this is why this is so relevant, did you know today that you need God more than you need food? You need God more than you need water. He is the one who holds the universe together. He's the one who made you, who knows you, who sustains you. He is your sustainer. You and I, we need him more than water. We need him more than food. We need him above all. And although those other things are essential in life, God is the most essential in life. And so fasting is saying, God, I don't need food right now. I need you right now. Now look again at what Jesus says. Jesus assumes, this is the convicting part for me and maybe for you. Jesus assumes his people are fasting. He assumes that. He says, and what? When you fast. Did he say if you fast? When you fast. And then in verse 17, but when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast, but when you fast. Jesus assumes that his followers are engaging in, in seasons of fasting. It doesn't mean we're doing it all the time, every day, whatever, like, like over the top like the Pharisees were doing, but at t- certain times we're engaging in fasting. So Jesus assumes that. So, so when then, question number two, when then should we fast? Well, to answer that question, we need to look at a few examples in Scripture. Okay, although fasting was a regular part of Jewish culture, there were three occasions in particular where God's people would declare a fast. Occasion number one was to fast for clarity from God. Okay, have you ever felt conflicted in life? Have you ever gone through a season where you felt conflicted about which way to go? Maybe you found yourself at a fork in the road and you had to make a big decision. Do I go this way or do I go that way? I just had one of those big decision moments when I had to decide, am I saying yes to South Valley? Or am I saying no to South Valley? God, do you want me there? Do you want me to stay where I'm at? I spent months I spent months praying and praying before I finally said yes, because I wanted to go the right direction. Oftentimes, we find ourselves at a fork in the road. Some of you might be there now. Maybe you've been there in the past. I remember one time I was hiking Mount Whitney. So Mount Whitney is an amazing hike. We did a hike in a single day. We showed up to the mountain in the evening, and we started hiking at midnight because we wanted to get up the mountain, down the mountain in one day. Me and the guys were hiking Ton of fun, beautiful, uh, it had just snowed, so it was just that, that quietness all around, the starlit sky, it was amazing. We're hiking, we're a few hours into the hike, right before, before the sun is coming up, and we hit a fork in the road, and we had a timetable, we had a schedule we wanted to meet. So we hit that fork in the road, and we're a little confused on which way to go, and instead of pulling out a map and just saying, hey guys, let's get this right, we're like, no, we got we got a place we got places to be. Let's keep going. So we eeny, mini miny mo, pick a path and start walking. So we start walking. And, and and an hour into this, we're crossing streams, icy streams, we're like battling the the bush, we're we're surrounded by snow, and we finally get on another path and we're walking and walking and walking. And we and we run into a woman that we had met hours earlier on the trail. And the woman we were, we ran into was walking this way and we were walking this way. And she said, like, where are you guys going? And we're like, we're going up the mountain. She said, like, no, you're not. You're going down. And we're like, oh, we're just kidding. We're just, we're, uh, we're just food break. That's all, you know. And we turn around and we start walking up the mountain. We try to play it off like we weren't fools, but we were fools. Sometimes, before making a big decision, we need to pause and pray. Because sometimes in those moments, when we're at a fork in the road, God is actually saying, hey, there's a right path. And there's a path that's not as good. There's a good path, a great way to go. And then there's a way that's like, hey, it's not going to be the best thing for you. Fast for clarity from God. God, should I go this way, that way? Should I say yes? Should I say no? You know what's best for my family. What should we do? Okay, in the early church, they were at a fork in the road regarding the next phase of their ministry. And they fasted. Look at Acts 13.2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That day the early church sent out Saul to be a missionary. Okay, When they fasted and prayed, God, who should we send? What should we do? They could have never anticipated the rock star that Paul would have been. They could have never anticipated that that day before they prayed and fasted and sent out a new missionary, they could have never anticipated that they would be sending out that day one of the greatest spiritual giants of all time. In the New Testament, of the 27 books in the New Testament, 13 are written by Paul. And Paul began his ministry after people prayed and fasted. And then they said, hey, the Holy Spirit is saying this guy, I don't know why. Let's send him out and look at what happened. We still talk about, about him today. And that's what happens when you need clarity, pause and pray. The second time that people fasted in the Bible was that they would fast fast for victory from God. Fast for victory from God. Now, there are numerous examples of victory fast. I I talked about Esther as one of those. There's a lot of examples of this. One of my favorites, though, is the story of Jehoshaphat. We we just heard that from from Pastor John. In 2 Chronicles 20, the people of God, they were under the threat of invasion. So outside groups were coming in. They were going to invade the people of God. Jehoshaphat is looking around. He said, this is too big for me. We can't beat these people on our own. I don't know what to do. This is too hard, too challenging. We don't have it in us to, to defeat this. And so what he, what he does is this, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. So it says, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He paused And he prayed. The whole nation paused and they prayed. And so what we learn here is that when we're presented with something that's far too big for us to handle, our first step in that moment, if we feel overwhelmed, if we feel like it's too big, it's too hard, it's too daunting, our first step is to pause and pray. And sometimes our prayers shouldn't just be little lobs in the air. Sometimes we should have seasons of fervent prayer, passionate prayer, Focused prayer. And if you want fervest, fervent, passionate, focused prayer, then that means that you might need to take a moment to fast. Recently, a friend of mine, he found himself looking for a job. He was going to be out of his job by June 30th of this year. And he knew he was going to lose, he was going to be out of this job. He had six months to find a new one, maybe a little longer. And so he's applying and applying and applying, doing interviews, and he, and he, he can't get the job. And so he finally decides, you know what, I need to to spend more time praying. And he decided in that moment he was going to do, he was going to cut something out of his diet for as long as it took. He would cut it out of his diet until he got a new job. And so for months, he cut this thing out of his diet. Every time he craved this thing, he would pause and he would pray. He called me on June 27th, three days before he was going to lose his other job. And he said, hey, Ricky, you won't believe it. I just scored my dream job. Three days before he was going to lose his other job. That is what can happen when we pray and when we fast. Because what we're doing is we're saying, God, this battle belongs to you. Sometimes I'm going to talk to the dads. Because when I just said that, I just thought about the dads in the room. Dads, we put every battle on our shoulders. Every battle with our kids, every battle at work, every battle that we see in culture. And we carry it and we carry it and we carry it and it crushes us. And then we wonder why we feel burnt out. We wonder why we feel far from God. We wonder why we feel tired. We wonder why we feel disconnected from our kids. Because we have all this pressure and it mounts up on our shoulders because we want to provide and we want to do good for our family and we want to do all these things right. But, but it's so hard to navigate all the challenges of culture. Sometimes dads, and I'm not just, just not just for dads, it's for everybody, but I really want to speak to dads for a second. Dads, sometimes you got to just say this battle belongs to God. God, I, I can't do it on my own. I don't have the strength and power. I don't have the wisdom. I'm trying to sound smart, but really, I just Googled that so I could have some kind of answer. I'm trying to, to like, act like a leader for my family, but I'm really relying on Wikipedia for advice. Dads, you don't need more advice. You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Spirit to give you wisdom that you could never have on your own. You need Jesus to give you love that you can never build up on your own. You need Jesus to give you rest, perseverance, whatever whatever you need. We talked about daily bread. Remember he promises. He says, "Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about anything because God's going to give you everything you need for today. You don't need to worry. He's going to fight your battles. The battle belongs to the Lord." fasting is it when we fast at certain seasons where we feel overwhelmed it's we're basically saying God this battle's yours I don't have it figured out I don't know what to say I don't know what to do I don't know where to go I don't even know if I'm gonna have a job next month this battle's yours and God will respond because what did we learn about God so far in the Lord's prayer that he is a loving father a father in heaven who loves his children. We don't have to do these rituals to be seen by him. We don't have to dance and sing and, 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 I don't know, try to get his attention. All we have to do is say, God, I need you. And sometimes when we pray and fast, we're saying, God, I don't need food. I need more of you. And he will respond. What we see with the Chronicle story is this. They prayed, they fasted, then they got this message from the Lord. Thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed at this great horde that's coming against you, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God fought their battle, and the victory was won. Some victories are only won through prayer. Third common reason for fasting was to fast to reconnect with God. Fast to reconnect with God. Are any of you guys excited about fall, the fall season approaching my first week here in the Central Valley, we had smoke. That was beautiful. Um, we had like 106 temperature uh, degrees outside. That was, that was really beautiful. Um, and, uh, and then on top of that, I got a bunch of pigeons on my house. What's up with pigeons out here, guys? What is going on with the pigeons? Like, I... I I, if, I, if I wasn't in a neighborhood, I would definitely be shooting them every single day. I just got to say, like, it's disgusting. Like, I got little dogs going out there trying not to step in the pigeon stuff, okay? It, it's gross. But all I keep thinking about is fall is coming. Fall is coming. Fall is coming. I love fall time. One of the reasons I love the fall is because of the holidays. I love the holidays. And, and what I love most about the holidays is because I, I, I love the fun. I love the food. Okay, I love all that stuff. I love Christmas, the gift giving, all those amazing things. But one thing that I really love about the holidays is that it allows me to reconnect with family. So I moved from the Antelope Valley out to here. In, and in the Antelope Valley, all my family's there. My friends are there. My, my parents are there, grandparents. My wife's parents are there. All of our, our siblings, everybody's out there in the AV. But even though we live down the street from each other, sometimes we wouldn't really connect as often as we should. And so the holidays were always a time to reconnect. Sometimes rituals, holidays, things like that, they, they, we, don't, we don't earn God's attention through those things, but they help us to reconnect with God. We're, we're not trying to earn God's love by performing a ritual like, like fasting. What we're saying is, God, I'm distracted you're not distracted. You see me, you know me. You know what I what I need before I even ask. But I'm distracted. So I'm going to get rid of my distractions. I'm going to put something on the calendar. I'm going to add a ritual into my system so that I can hear from you. Special dates traditions rituals those things are important because they keep us connected and aligned they don't make us we don't earn God's love through those things but we hear God when we participate in those things my hope for you guys is that Sunday is a ritual for you that every Sunday you feel this sense that God I got a busy week I got a lot going on and if I'm going to take on this week I need to reconnect with you and I need to reconnect with your people And I need that every single week because you're my bread, you're my water. I'm going to feed on you before I go out into the world. Well, the Jewish calendar contained numerous reconnecting points. They would, in their rhythms, they would have these points where they'd say, hey guys, time to get together, time to reconnect, time to pray, time to fast. And one of those reconnecting points was the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the people of God, they'd make offering for sins, And then they would also fast. This is what Leviticus 16 says. He says, And it shall be a statute for you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves. That means to to fast, deprive your body, and do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. They would put things on their calendar to help them reconnect. Some of you need to put things on your calendar to help you reconnect. If you feel far from God, you feel disconnected from the church, you feel disconnected from Jesus, you feel like you're just getting by, you've lost your passion, whatever it is, You might need to put something on the calendar to help you reconnect. Marcus mentioned Rooted. Rooted is a great way to reconnect with God, reconnect with others. They, They already did the work of getting leaders. They're ready to launch groups. They just need people to go. And guess what? On week two of your Rooted curriculum, week two is about prayer and fasting. It helps you pause to think about the distractions in your life and to replace those distractions with prayer. So God's people, they would fast when they needed victory, when they needed direction, and when they needed to reconnect connect with God. So the final question, final question for you guys this morning. How should we fast? We talked about what is fasting. We talked about when should we fast. Final question, how should we fast? Listen again to what Jesus says. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret and your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you. Here Jesus reminds us that our fasting face should be the same as our non fasting face. So what Jesus is saying here is that some people, when they fast, they would disfigure their faces. The the Greek literally means that they make their face look ugly, okay? Um, I I don't think anybody really wants to make their face look ugly, but sometimes if you want attention, I notice my daughter does this, if she wants attention, she'll make an ugly face. Ugly face, if if you're making faces, you're trying to draw attention to yourself. Jesus is saying, stop drawing attention to yourself when you fast. It's okay if other people know, that's not the problem, but, but why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want to reconnect with God? You want to hear from God? Or are you doing it to impress other people? He says, instead of making your face look ugly, disfiguring your face, why don't you anoint your head with oil, wash your face, and go out? So Jesus isn't actually saying, "Pour, pour olive oil on your head, okay? You don't need to do that when you fast. But what he's saying is this, whatever you would normally do to get ready for the day, to go out in public, to be presentable to others, do that on the day you fast. Let your... Your best face that you put on in life, whatever, wherever you go, maybe it's your Sunday's best. I see, I see a lot of, you guys are beautiful people, by the way, very beautiful people. Sunday's best. Put on your Sunday's best, your best face when you fast. And, and it's, the only reason he's encouraging that is because, hey, we're not fasting for applause, we're fasting for God. Because in Jesus' day, the religious hypocrites, we talked about these guys last week. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen. The religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week or throughout the week to be seen by others. You might remember the Pharisees' prayer. He says, standing by himself, he prayed this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. God, I'm so awesome you got to hear me because I'm so awesome. And I want everyone to know just how awesome I am. I fast twice a week, and I even give money to people. I'm so awesome. Fasting is awesome. Being generous is awesome. But are we doing those things for this? Or are we doing those things because we love God? Are we doing those things because we love people? Are are, are we more concerned about an applause or are we more concerned about an answer from God? I believe that if you're praying, and you're fasting, odds are you're bringing things to God that are really important to you, that you really want him to act on. He promises to reward you. He promises to reward you. The question is, do you want an earthly reward or do you want a heavenly reward? Do you want a clap or do you want an answer from God? In closing, As I was wrestling through this topic this week, I felt like, hey, we shouldn't just talk about fasting. Maybe we should actually try it together. So this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Now, you don't have to do this, but I'd encourage you to seriously consider it. This Saturday is 9-11. 9-11 is an important day in America and, and it's, it's not uncommon that others would pause and pray and even fast on 9-11. So what I'm thinking is this. If you're feeling like you want to hear from God in a special way, you want to kind of step into these waters and test this out and, 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 and really try this for, for yourself, I want to encourage you on 9-11 with us together as a church, let's do a 24-hour fast. Friday night, we'll stop eating, and, or whatever we're fasting from, and then we'll, we'll stop until Saturday night. And, and, and with this fast, you could do it however you want. You could decide to fast from coffee. I got a pumpkin spice latte, by the way, today. is awesome. You can fast from video games, if you're a student. You can fast from social media. You can do a full food fast. You can fast from soda. You can whatever. You can fast from sleeping in, okay? Whatever it is. Take some time with us on that day, and let's just see what God can do. Let's pause together, take a day to fast. You don't have to do that, but I want to encourage us. I don't want to just talk about this. Jesus says, when you fast. This 9-11, I think it might be a good time for us to try to fast. And when you're doing that, I want you to pray for a few things. Number one, continue to pray for our community. Pray for our kids. Our kids are still dealing with the challenges of COVID. Our kids are still wanting to, to, they want to get back to some, uh, just kind of a normal rhythm. It hasn't been easy. The the teachers at the school, I know it hasn't been easy for them. I know it hasn't been easy for health workers. I know it hasn't been easy for for law enforcement. It hasn't been easy for the base. It hasn't been easy for parents. There are people in the hospital. A number of people in our church are in the hospital right now with COVID. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for our community. Let's pray for the people around us. Pause and pray. Another thing we could pray for is is, is some of the tragedies going on around us. We could pray for those impacted by 9-11. Pray for those impacted by Hurricane Ida. Pray for those in Afghanistan. Pray for our country. Pray for our family. And here's one thing I really want to challenge you to do. Please pray for South Valley. I wanted to start our sermon series with prayer. There's so many things we could talk about, but I chose to start with prayer because I felt like if we wanted to be successful, we wanted to be healthy, we wanted to be who God wanted us to be, then it starts with us on our knees, asking God to intervene. So I want to challenge you guys, this 9-11, fast and pray with us. You could determine how you want to do that, but that's a challenge to you. Let's pray and we'll be done this morning. God, I thank you so much for the people in this room. I thank you, God, for your challenge to, to... Uh, for us to fast, for us to bring things to you that are hard and heavy on our hearts, good things, things that we're grateful for, whatever it is that we need, whatever we're going through, you encourage us to bring it to you because you're a father who cares and you listen. And we have access to you through the blood of Jesus. So I pray today, God, that if anybody needs victory, if anybody needs hope or help, that they would find it in you. And I pray, God, that you would challenge them in this area and that this Saturday, that some of, some of us, maybe all of us, would actually participate in fasting and praying for our church, for our community. And I pray that we would see the fruit of that, that we would see you do big and mighty things, that we would pray hungry prayers. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer today, I'll be up here after service. God bless.